Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis treatment with board-certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic right here in Shreveport. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way before making your call. And you know the number, it's 318-219-4569 and we look forward to hearing from you about this topic today. Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here, Terry. Always a pleasure talking to you. So let's go ahead and review again rheumatoid arthritis, we hear that I think more often than other types of arthritis, seems very common, but what is it exactly? Well, rheumatoid arthritis is probably the most common autoimmune disease, unless we put psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis together, then it's almost a tie. Uh, but rheumatoid arthritis is a disease in which uh, people, for reasons that we don't know, uh, get an immunologic attack on the inner lining of their joints. The name of the inner lining of the joints is called the synovium, and that uh, immunologic attack is called a synovitis. Uh, that, uh, so rheumatoid arthritis typically starts in the small joints of the hands or wrist, and it might uh, start as well as uh, in the toes and ankles as well. So it tends to start further away from the center of the body. Mm. Um, it may be associated with a lot of morning stiffness, um, and uh, gradually that uh, inflammation in the hands can cause the hands to be bent and cause it to be painful to do activities of everyday living, uh, just feeding yourself or using a computer or a keyboard, uh, d uh, doing a, a variety of everyday activities, uh, whether you're a doctor or a reporter or uh, <laughs> a news anchor, uh, and uh, especially if you do uh, more uh, manual labor with your hands and feet. Yeah, and things that we don't think about, even holding a fork to eat right. or to cut your food or to open a can of something. That's right. Yeah. Uh, twisting the yeah. uh, the top off a bottle um, mm -hmm. is um, is a, a particular uh, issue. Um, my patients who are nurses say that in in tearing open the bags for IV fluids, that can be very painful, especially mm. uh, because you have to grip and, and really pull kind of hard and right. put a little bit of force on uh, the joints. That force uh, um, then causes that inflammation to be even more painful. And typically, uh, people will have, s we don't know what happens, but they will go from feeling fairly normal to over two, three, four months, start having one, two, five, seven, ten joints in both hands, maybe five or six in one hand, five or six in the other hand, causing this inflammatory process that we doctors recognize as rheumatoid arthritis. And I know that there's been some breakthroughs in the research recently that we were going to talk about too. So is there anything that someone can do as they start to feel it and it's as it's happening and coming on, can they do anything? Well, um, uh, certainly not everyone that gets um, swelling in the small joints of the hands is gonna end up having rheumatoid arthritis for reasons that we don't know. Some people might get that inflammatory response and then it just melts away. But if it's lasted for a month, two or three months, uh, then that's uh, when you should probably see your primary care doctor and they may be uh, considering sending you to a rheumatologist. Um, the, um, it it seems, seems to be that if we make the community of bacteria 
in our body that is called the microbiome look less inflammatory that we can ameliorate, we can lessen the impact of rheumatoid arthritis. It tends to occur in about 1% of the population. And um, um, several years ago, it was uh, starting to become clear that the community of bacteria in our mouth, um, the bacteria around our gums and our teeth can create uh, an um, a immunologic target that is called cyclic citrullinated peptides. And um, uh, some people uh, develop antibodies to these cyclic citrullinated peptides, um, and it's as if they're uh, um, mounting an immunologic response to the bacteria in their mouth, and that uh, anti-CCP uh, <laughs> test becomes positive, and then a few months later, the patient may develop rheumatoid arthritis. And in that immunologic, uh, in our uh, white blood cells, our lymphocytes, our uh, granulocytes, and our uh, basophils are trying to deal with these antibodies. And most people's uh, immune system deals with them with no problem. But there's maybe that 1% of the population will develop CCP antibodies. And then a few months later, they're developing inflammation in the small joints of the hands. And like I described before, it might be we have 14 joints in each hand, uh, and we might have five or six or seven will develop in each hand almost overnight or over a few weeks' time. Uh, and then they show up in my office, and rheumatologists have a tool that is called a disease activity scale 28, or a DAS 28. Sounds real fancy, but part of the DAS 28 is we have 14 joints in our left hand, 14 joints in our right hand, and the rheumatologist counts the joints and counts. How many joints are swollen? How many joints hurt the patient or are tender when I touch them or I move them? And we come up with a score, and a person might have 12 swollen joints, uh, six in each hand, and that would be a fairly classic presentation of rheumatoid arthritis. The, the rheumatologist would ask a couple questions, and one question is, is there any psoriasis going on? Because if there is, that same presentation could be consistent with psoriatic arthritis. Or uh, another less common disease is a person having a photosensitive skin rash or kidney or liver problems or problems with the inflammation not only affecting the joints but the lining around the lungs and the heart, and then that would open the door could this patient have lupus? So uh, the doctor, the rheumatologist, sees uh, many swollen joints. The hands are involved. It's somewhat symmetrical. He's ruling out lupus. He's ruling out psoriasis. And that is most of the diagnostic criteria that we use today for rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, that's interesting. When you put it like that, it just makes so much sense, and it sounds very simple to understand that. And, I'm sure and, it's not. And, and then we've developed these lab tests. Yeah. Um, and and when you just kind of have seen an, enough patients, it just all makes sense. Um, uh, Forty years ago, there was a lab test called the rheumatoid factor that was developed to help with this uh, uh, observation, and um, if. Um, and 40 years ago, if you took 1,000 people with what experts at that time called rheumatoid arthritis and you did that test, that rheumatoid factor test, about 65% of them, about two-thirds of them, would have that rheumatoid factor being positive, and about a third would have that rheumatoid factor being negative. Um, 
Then in around the year, the late 90s and early around the year 2000, an antibody to that cyclic citrullinated peptide, and nobody wants to say that more than <laughs> once on the air. So we call it CCP uh, in the United States, or we call it ACPA in Europe. ACPA just doesn't sound right in English, so, uh, uh, so most of us in the United States call it the anti-cyclic citrullinated peptide test. So, so about two-thirds of people that meet criteria for rheumatoid arthritis will be rheumatoid factor positive or CCP positive, and they'll have several swollen and tender joints on our DAS-28. And now all of our viewers know all this lingo uh, so they can get into the head of rheumatologists and say, my DAS-28 is so-and-so and my CCP is such-and-such. Such. What do you think, Doc? <laughs> That's what you do for us, Dr. Goodman. <laughs> we, we take notes and then we walk in all knowledgeable to talk to our doctors. There you so go. That's really good. Um, so does it, and we talk about, I just want to go back to microbiomes. We're hearing about this a lot in wellness news and it's a term that comes up a lot. Um, is there a reason that we're just now hearing about this? Uh, and how does it affect the body? Um, well, uh, part of the reason is because we're just now developing the technology to look at the billions of bacteria in our, the millions of bacteria in our mouth, the millions yeah. of bacteria on our skin and in our gut, in our nasal passageways, and do DNA testing to, to, uh, to grow, instead of growing them on a Petri dish that takes, um, you know, 48 or 72 hours, um, they can uh, sample the bacteria in our mouth and in our colon and in our, our nasal passages and tell us the microbiome of this population looks very like it would stimulate the immune system. That means, or they would say very antigenic or very inflammatory. Uh, but if you put a patient on a low inflammatory diet, maybe a Mediterranean diet, maybe they're eating more olive oil in, instead of more processed foods, then their microbiome in their gut might look less inflammatory. Their microbiome in their mouth, if they have good uh, dental oral health, might look less inflammatory. So in the case of the gut, uh, the microbiome has a big impact on Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis that my GI colleagues take care of, but it also, and surprisingly to me, has an impact on lupus. Uh, one of our recent journals had on the front page on the cover, uh, in this journal is called Arthritis and Rheumatism, and there was a cover showing the microbiome of a person that had lupus that was inflamed, and it had a pie chart and then the microbiome of another person with lupus that was under good control and their microbiome in their intestinal tract looked less inflammatory. So it's, it's technology, it's really a, it's really a ability to measure the DNA of millions of bacteria that we have had in the past five or 10 years rather than uh, ages ago. But it goes back to an old saw, you know, eat smart, eat healthy, and you'll do well, um, and and so now now we're getting billion-dollar technology just to reinforce what <laughs> our grandparents told us. It really is, isn't that interesting to confirm what we've been saying all along. That's right. Now we That's have the right. technology. It takes technology and the machines and tests. And, and it's and, that. and it's interesting that the microbiome uh, in in smoking uh, populations tends to look more aggressive, more antigenic uh, than the microbiome in uh, people that don't smoke and. There was this old observation uh, that um, in Europe there was no smoking uh, before about the 15th century, but in uh, America 
before America was colonized, um, uh, the native tribes in the southeastern part of the United States, the Powhatan Indians, the Cherokee Indians, the Chickasaw Cree, would smoke tobacco. Mm -hmm. And in archaeological digs, um, uh, archaeologists would see the bone changes of rheumatoid arthritis in those indigenous populations that were before uh, Columbus uh, discovered America, but uh, those observations were not seen in European populations until much later. Uh, and the theory that it might be that uh, smoking cigarettes might play a role in some people's uh, changing somebody's microbiome maybe in the 14th century and introducing uh, rheumatoid arthritis into Europe as Sir Walter Raleigh and others bring back tobacco to Elizabethan uh, England or to um, the courts of Louis XIV in, um, in Paris. And probably having no idea at that time that this was going to be an unhealthy thing or causing, thinking about anything. It was just a, a pleasurable way and, to trade. And, and, and you see, you know, you see uh, uh, People like um, uh, Benjamin Franklin, who would be a, uh, the Secretary of State you know, visiting France, and he's in the salons of Paris, and people are smoking uh, and they're eating chocolate, and uh, their uh, uh, dental health is getting worse and worse. And uh, about a hundred years later, Dr. Forestier uh, at the Sorbonne in Paris, France, described rheumatoid arthritis, and it was the first description. Uh, in uh, medical literature. That's fascinating. We have a caller for you, Dr. Goodman. Miss Turner, thank you so much for calling. What is your question? Oh, Kristen, my question is, I have, my doctor told me I have rheumatoid arthritis. I never smoked, and I'm not a heavy drinker. I might drink wine occasionally, but I, and I just wonder, it, oh, it hurts all the time. Yes, ma'am. So could well, you tell me what it's from? Um, I, uh, I'm not saying that smoking is the only is uh, the only thing that is the only risk factor for getting rheumatoid arthritis. It tends to be a bit more aggressive in smokers, uh, but uh, smoking is not a criteria to get rheumatoid arthritis, and that's not what I'm uh, implying. It's just that in populations that have smokers, they tend to start getting rheumatoid arthritis. Um, but as far as why do you have rheumatoid arthritis, we don't know exactly, but we think that everyone's uh, immune system, or everyone's mouth has these uh, bacteria that produce this uh, peptide called cyclic, <laughs> cyclic citrullinated peptide. And some people inherit a tendency of their immune system to mistakenly attack these bacteria, and as they're dealing with these bacteria, they create antibodies to the bacteria that are called CCP antibodies and rheumatoid factor antibodies. And as a byproduct of this um, uh, dealing with this thing in the environment, it causes inflammation of rheumatoid arthritis. But the good news is today, Ms. Turner, is that we have a lot of ways to help you once that problem starts. Uh, we don't know how to stop it. We don't ha know how to prevent it. Uh, there is a tendency if we um, uh, have better dental health that we may make it better. Uh, but when it does occur, then that's when you might need 
different medications. We have medications that were developed in the 90s called the disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. And um, then the early 2000s, the biologicals came along, and more recently, the Janus kinase or JAK inhibitors came along. So um, uh, I don't know how to prevent rheumatoid arthritis from happening in everyone, but there's a trend that if, um, uh, if we uh, take care of our gut health and our oral health, it may make it better. Once it does happen, though, your primary care doctor, your rheumatologist can uh, get you to a, a good place by trying some of the early medicines. If those don't work, we don't have to wait for six months or a year. We might wait for a month or two or three months. And if your doctor is starting to see that the number of swollen and tender joints is going in the right direction, is going down, then he would stay with that treatment. If he's not seeing it's going down, we have lots of uh, ways to help. They might be starting with medicines like methotrexate and quickly moving on to medicines uh, that are the TNF blockers, that first generation of biologics that included Humira and Enbrel. But your uh, primary care doctor, your rheumatologist has lots of tools to help you, Ms. Turner. Well, really, I have. Yes, ma'am? My arthritis is in my knees. They're in my knees. Yes, ma'am. And I take Embra, I do Embra, and I take paper, but don't seem to be happy at all. Yes, ma'am. Um, it, uh, arthritis in the knees can be rheumatoid arthritis, but arthritis in the knees can also be osteoarthritis, the wear and tear type of arthritis. I wish there was a law, uh, Ms. Turner, that said if you have rheumatoid arthritis, that's the only type of arthritis you can get. But uh, the practical matter is there's a hundred types of arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is the most common inflammatory immune-mediated arthritis, but much more common than rheumatoid arthritis is the wear and tear arthritis known as osteoarthritis. So it's entirely possible that you have osteoarthritis in your knees and rheumatoid arthritis in the small joints of your hands. And that medicine, Enbrel, is a very helpful medicine. It's one of the first generation of medicines for the biologics that can help uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And it might be doing a good job in your hands, but you may have some OA, some osteoarthritis in your knees. That kind of medical detective work to see, okay, is everything rheumatoid arthritis or is there something else uh, that needs to be addressed? Um, and if it's osteoarthritis, that might need a different approach. The Enbrel may not help it while it is doing a good job for small joints of the hands. I hope that's helpful information to you, Ms. Turner. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for, for your call, because I think that helps other viewers kind of get a flavor of uh, what are these symptoms. And the fact that you mentioned that you're on Enbrel, it is one, uh, Terry, it's one of those first group of biologics that came out around the year 2000. Um, uh, before that, we had uh, oral medicines um, like something called methotrexate and something called hydroxychloroquine or plaquenil and a third one called uh, Areva or Leflutamide, and those fell into the DMARD family. And then in uh, 1999, Enbrel, that Ms. Turner had been on, uh, came along, and it was the first of this biological group. The biological group worked by blocking communicating proteins between one group of white blood cells and the others. Those communicating proteins, because white blood cells are called 
leukocytes, those communicating proteins block the communicating proteins that are called interleukins. And Enbrel was one of the first interleukin blockers, and it blocked TNF factor. And I think we have a caller. We do. We have Rosa on the Rosa. line. First, I want to thank Ms. Turner for calling. And now, Rosa, what is your question? Thank you for calling. My question is, um, I know that rheumatoid affects the uh, bones, the joints, and all that. Um, I've had rashes on my skin, but I've also had symptoms in my mouth. In other words, I've had sores uh, either on my cheeks or on the right side of my tongue. Now I seem to have, um, it, it looks like a bruise. It's a line that goes from the back of the mouth to the front of the tongue, and it looks like a perfect blue-purple bruise. Thank you for that uh, question, Rosa. Um, the immune system in rheumatoid arthritis can principally target the joints, the inner lining of the joints called the synovium. But uh, other autoimmune diseases, it uh, can also target the inner lining of the mouth. Um, and so those other autoimmune diseases have to be thought through and considered. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis can occasionally cause sores in the mouth, but uh, lupus can also cause sores in the mouth, and lupus can cause skin rashes that are worse when you're out in the sun. Psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis uh, doesn't cause sores in the mouth too often, but it can cause a skin rash that is better when you're out in the sun. So the fact that you have skin rashes and sores in your mouth um, suggest uh, that you should see uh, a doctor to try to figure it out. That's what rheumatologists do. Is it rheumatoid arthritis? Might be. Might it be a cousin of psoriatic arthritis that causes sores in the mouth? That's a rare disease in the United States called Bichette syndrome. Or might it be um, a sore in the mouth with a photosensitive skin rash that's worse when you're out in the sunlight? And that uh, suggests to doctors, let's look for lupus and let's look for a cousin of lupus where people get dry eyes and dry mouth and that's called Sjogren's syndrome. So uh, 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 it may be that the sores in your mouth could be due to an autoimmune disease. It might be rheumatoid, but um, uh, your ca doctors caring for you might need to uh, broaden their question. Could it also be lupus? Could it also be Sjogren's syndrome? Could it also be uh, psoriatic arthritis or a rare subset of psoriatic arthritis called Bichette's syndrome? But um, those are things that rheumatologists do all the time. Uh, that's right in the sweet spot for rheumatologists. I hope that's helpful, Rosa. Any, any other part of your question? So that, that bluish line that I have um, under the skin of the tongue, I shouldn't really be paying attention to that at all? No, no, I'm not saying that. Call it the attention of your primary care doctor, your rheumatologist, okay. or your oral surgeon or ear, nose, and throat doctor. Um, it could be rheumatoid arthritis, but it could be another autoimmune disease, and we have treatments for all of those other autoimmune diseases that I, I mentioned. So do pay attention to it, but um, call it to the attention of your uh, other doctors, 
and um, mm -hmm. you know because there is a, a chance that there's a connection between swollen and tender joints in the hands and sores in the mouth some of those diseases that I mentioned fall into the the thought process of a rheumatologist and um, uh, mm -hmm. so talk about it with your primary care doctor talk about it with your rheumatologist uh, and if you mm -hmm. don't have one uh, that's uh, what I do all the time well that's, that's it's really interesting that you spoke about the swelling and the tenderness because that's another thing that I feel on that side of the tongue it's uh, swelling and tenderness at times and and sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes the immune system while it's attacking the joints and the uh, swollen joints in the hands gets the most publicity so to speak the most attention uh, but many of these uh, autoimmune diseases are systemic that is not only are they causing inflammation in the hands that receives a lot of attention mm -hmm. but they might cause sores in the mouth they might cause mm -hmm. um, problems with the gums uh, they might uh, and, and so a lot of times the rheumatologist uh, just before I came to the studio this morning, uh, a patient of mine who is a, a dentist, we were talking about how uh, oral surgeons and dentists and rheumatologists have uh, a lot of things that are, uh, occur in common, and some of those diseases that I just mentioned are where these two disciplines intersect. Um, and um, it, the, the same thing holds true with our dermatology colleagues, especially um, rheumatologists and dermatologists share a lot of patients that have lupus. Uh, and share a lot of patients that have psoriasis. Um, and uh, the same, same thing can be true with many other disciplines. The gastroenterologists have autoimmune diseases that attack the colon uh, and the uh, small and large intestine as well. So, so just because the immune system is attacking the joints, it could also attack other places. Um, there are solutions to those problems and um, a lot of times some of the treatment that was initially used to treat rheumatoid arthritis can also help make better those sores in the mouth that you're experiencing. Um, and it would require a little bit of medical detective work to get to the specific answer because uh, 20 years ago, the only medicines that I had would be what the uh, previous caller uh, called down and was on Enbrel, but an Enbrel could help some people that have arthritis and sores in their mouth, but there may be other even more precise medications these days that can help those two, uh, con the conversion of those two problems. Sometimes it might be a single doctor, the rheumatologist, but sometimes it might be a team of doctors, and the team could include oral surgeons, ophthalmologists, um, uh, nephrologists, gastroenterologists, and, and neurologists as well. So uh, uh, we don't have the uh, Mo, you know, we don't have the monopoly on uh, autoimmune diseases, but talk to your doctors if you can't get satisfaction. Uh, I uh, uh, see patients with those kinds of problems. My phone number in Shreveport is 318-424-9240, 424-9240, and that's what rheumatologists do. We try to put together is is this person's sores in their mouth tied in with their uh, swollen joints? And if so, we uh, try to get it uh, figured out. I hope that's helpful, Rosa. Okay. Yes, very. Thank you for your Excellent. call. <laughs>
Yeah, thank you so much for calling. And so to talk, we have a few more minutes left. I think we had some more callers. Do we have time to take another caller? We're going to wrap it up with the goals of treatment. We could a quick caller. Do you have another one still on the line, guys? Okay, I think we're going to talk more. Oh, Pamela. Hi, Pamela. Hi, Pamela. Thanks for calling. We have a couple of more minutes. What would you like to ask Dr. Goodman? Hey, Pamela. Does arthritis have an adverse or beneficial effect? Excuse me. Does drinking coffee have an adverse or beneficial effect on arthritis? I think drinking coffee is neutral on arthritis. Um, but uh, thank you for that question. Uh, usually it's uh, a neutral question. Uh, beneficial can be uh, to uh, use, uh, eat a low inflammatory um, diet. Uh, adverse is usually not so much with rheumatoid arthritis, but with gout. Uh, so uh, we've done some segments on gout and we, uh, uh, there are specific dietary changes for the gout patient. Good question. Pamela, if Thanks. you're a coffee drinker, I guess that's good news. You can keep drinking your coffee. Keep drinking your coffee because I am. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much. Do we have time for one more quick call? Or are we going to? Nope. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's talk about, because I know you want to talk about the goals of the treatment for RA. So do we have time to sum that up in the, a quick minute? Well, we sure can. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the goals, if, if a person comes in and they have um, 10 swollen joints, um, and they're symmetrical, and there's not any uh, rashes of psoriasis, there's no rashes of lupus, that's probably rheumatoid arthritis. So we would put them on early and aggressive treatment. It could be um, uh, steroids, it could be the group of medicines called the DMARDs, uh, the disease-modifying drugs like methotrexate. Um, and then see them in a month, see them in two months, and see if the number of swollen joints going from 10 to 6 to 5 to 3, then that's a good thing. If it's not, Let's get aggressive. Let's move them on to a TNF blocker. Let's move them on to another biologic to really restore them. And dear we say, try to achieve remission. Right, because remission is very important here, right? So you want to give your phone number out one more time? Okay, Dr. and it is in Shreveport, 318-424-9240. All right, thanks again for another great show. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.